Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It reads, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to the men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge of prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with the spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church, and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones who it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are in a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. 
As we turn the page and look at how Paul is directing the church at Corinth to practice worship in an orderly sense, we see that he continues talking about the way in which they're using their gifts. In our discussion today for our nugget of truth, I really want us to focus into what is the purpose of the weekly gathering of the saints? Why is it that they are coming together? Because I believe that this passage helps us to understand some of the things that are important for us to consider as we think about that. So first and foremost, something that I think that could be surprising to many is that church is not about you. It's important for us to start with that point. Going to church, gathering with the believers, is not primarily about you. God should always be the focus of what is taking place. When we come to church here to sin, when we come and we gather with other believers, we're coming to celebrate what God is doing in our lives collectively in a way that we can't do individually because we're not together all of the time. And so the way in which we interact with one another while we're here at church is going to be different than what we're trying to do when we're individually alone the rest of the week because of some certain things that are taking place. And as we look at this passage, verse 40 is one of the verses that really helps us to understand a focus that we need to keep in mind. It says, but all things should be done decently and in order. All things should be done decently and in order. Verse 33 also says this, for God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. And so we gather together as believers for a purpose in an orderly fashion because there is a design that is laid out for us. And so when we gather together, we worship together, we hear from God's word, and then we encourage one another and build each other up. And so in doing that, we see that a second focus, even before us, is the focus of the rest of the people that are gathered. And so when we collectively gather together, the purpose is to encourage one another and to build each other up. And so when Paul addresses this situation that's going on, he talks about the fact that there is not currently order in what's happening and tries to give them a better understanding of how they can orderly worship. And so he talks once again about the gift of tongues and how that's happening in this context. And when we see here a big purpose that he says of why the gift of tongues should not be the focus of the gathering that takes place each week is because what about the unbeliever who comes into your midst? Tongues, yes, is for unbelievers, he says, that it is there for them and it is a sign for unbelievers to help them to know what is going on. But within the context of the church, it adds disorder and it adds disunity at times. Because if there is not the appropriate interpretation of what's happening, you would say that people would say, hey, they kind of look crazy or mad. And that's naturally a response to what takes place when tongues occurs. If we look back in the book of Acts, they even think that they're drunk when they're doing these different things, using the tongues and speaking that way. So the people on the outside don't have a clear understanding of that. But when somebody prophesies and when somebody speaks in their own language and gives an admonition from the Lord or a calling, or a command or a reminder for the people that are there, even unbelievers who don't understand what's happening are able to comprehend and able to have the Spirit of God speaking to them in that time. And so he's saying here, orderly worship is very important to the church into building the church. Because if we're constantly pushing away the outsider by the practices that we have, then that makes it so that they're not going to want to or come into the church. So the primary focus being God, 
then the focus of others, and then finally it is our ability to say that we are hopefully going to be encouraged, we're going to be built up, we're going to be challenged, we're going to be convicted, we're going to be pointed to repentance, we're going to be pointed to action by our gathering in the midst. And so one thing that I think is true in our modern times is that we've kind of flipped that order. And so it's really about me coming to connect with my friends and maybe talking about God with others. And so that's a sad state of affairs when we see that people are coming to church with that mindset. Because then if I am not getting my needs met, or if I don't feel like I encourage others, or I don't feel like I like the worship set, or maybe I don't like the coffee that they have now, then I decide, hey, well, I don't really need to go to that church, or I don't really need to go to church at all. But we need to remember it's not really about us. It's about collectively worshiping God with others. And so when we come, the focus should not be, how are you going to meet my needs? How are you going to allow me to grow? And how are you going to serve me? But rather, how am I going to worship God? How am I going to be able to collectively encourage others? And then how am I going to be fed and filled by the teaching, by the encouragement, and by others so that I'm ready to live on mission for God where I go? And so hopefully that's a reminder for us about what the purpose of us gathering is, how we can do that in an orderly fashion that speaks to the truth of what Paul is addressing here in 1 Corinthians 14. As far as a question for today, I'd like to just focus on one word here. And I think it's important that sometimes we define words that we see in church and words that we don't really use other places. And so if we look down into verse 16, it says, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen or amen? So what does amen or amen mean? It's important for us to know because we just throw it out there all the time. We say, in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. And so what are we saying there? We're really saying, let it be, or may it be so, or may it be truly. We're really saying that we agree with what has been said, and we want that to take place. We're giving an affirmation to what takes place. We're saying we desire it to come to pass. We're saying that we agree with it wholeheartedly. And so that's important just for us to know is a word that's out there that we say all the time. Because as it's in this context, it's saying how can the outsider or how can anybody really agree with anything if they don't understand what's being said? And so it's important that we understand the definitions of those words, how they're being used in these contexts so that we can have greater clarity about what our scriptures say. And so as you study this passage, as you look into it, hopefully you find some other areas that you can dive into a little bit deeper that can help you to grow and help you to understand in a greater sense what God is desiring you to do as one of his followers today. Know today you were loved. You're-